Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn why the best way to change someone's mind might be to help them change their identity with author Lee McIntyre and how mush balls may solve a mystery about the atmosphere on Uranus and Neptune. Then, test your podcast knowledge with this month's edition of the Curiosity Challenge Trivia Game. Let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity. Yesterday, Lee McIntyre told us how to talk to science deniers about scientific facts. Well, today he's going to tell us about the reasons that might not always work and why a person's identity might be even more important than their level of knowledge. Lee McIntyre is a research fellow at the Center for Philosophy and History of Science at Boston University. And he's also the author of the new book, How to Talk to a Science Denier, Conversations with Flat Earthers, Climate Deniers, and Others Who Defy Reason. We asked him about how you can convince someone of something when they have formed their identity against it. Talk about a tough, a heavy lift. So now I've made the problem even worse. You don't just have to get the person to change their beliefs. You have to get them to change their identity. How can you do that? And yet it has been done. And now I'll tell you one of my favorite stories. There was a fellow named Jim Bridenstine, who is a, a member of the House of Representatives, who gave a speech on the floor of the House against climate change, saying all the things that climate deniers say. And of course, this speech made him famous. Trump appointed him head of NASA. Bridenstine was head of NASA for maybe a month, maybe two, short period of time. And he changed his mind and gave another speech in which he said, I was wrong. Now, how often does a politician do that about anything? Said, I was wrong. Climate change is real and we're causing it. Now, why did he do that? I think it's because he changed his identity. He got a new job as head of NASA. So who's in his community all of a sudden, all day, every day? It's not lobbyists and politicians. It's the scientists who work at NASA. He's hanging out with them in the hallway. He's their boss. He's having lunch with them. All of a sudden, they're not the evil other. They're, you know, people down the hallway. And he began to trust them. And he changed his mind. Hardcore science deniers can change their mind because they can change their identity if we enlarge their circle of concern and community to include allies of science, which is why I wrote the book, because I wrote this book for allies of science to read it and then get out there, right? I want to create an army of people who don't just care about science, but show that they care by engaging with people who misunderstand science, not in a in a condescending way, but to, you know, to meet them where they are. If we don't, it's just going to get worse. I mean, look at COVID. The Delta variant is killing us. Why? Because people aren't taking their vaccines. I have personal friends and family who, you know, have these sorts of beliefs. How do you get someone to overcome these types of beliefs? It's very hard Harder when nobody's talking to them. Harder when they're in that silo where they're only getting information from other deniers or from information sources that are actually disinformation sources. They've got to enlarge their community. That's what I'm about. If Jim Bridenstine can change his mind, maybe there's hope for our loved ones. Again, that was Lee McIntyre, author of the new book, How to Talk to a Science Denier. Conversations with Flat Earthers, Climate Deniers, and Others Who Defy Reason. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes.
Compared to the other planets in our solar system, the atmospheres of the ice giants Neptune and Uranus are a little bit strange. They don't seem to have any ammonia. Scientists have long wondered why. And recently, a French scientist has suggested a plausible reason with an implausible name. Mushballs. See, ammonia is a really simple molecule. It's made up of a single nitrogen atom bonded to three hydrogen atoms. Nitrogen and hydrogen are both abundant in the solar system now. They were also common in the primordial cloud that the planets formed out of. So it makes sense that all the rest of the planets, including Earth, have ammonia in their atmospheres. But why not Neptune and Uranus? Two main theories tried to explain why. If the two ice giants formed with different matter from the rest of the planets, that could explain it. But there's no evidence for that. Instead, scientists reasoned that there could be a process that might move the ammonia out of the atmosphere. By looking at Jupiter, scientists found a likely culprit, mushballs. See, mushballs are made of water mixed with ammonia. Since ammonia has a much lower freezing point than water, they don't quite freeze solid, even at really low temperatures. Instead, they form mushy balls, even far below water's normal freezing point. That means that even in minus 90 degrees Celsius, these ammonia-rich hailstones are, well, to use the technical term, mushballs. Mushballs form during violent storms. And the gas giants and ice giants have lots of extremely bad weather where the conditions for their formation are just about perfect. On Jupiter, mushballs are responsible for pulling ammonia lower down in its atmosphere. But on the ice giants, they might be even more extreme. They may be pulling the ammonia even deeper down into the interior of these planets, where it's invisible to our telescopes. So far, simulations look like they match our observations of Neptune and Uranus. But we'll have to have a closer look to validate this theory and spot some mushballs up close. It's time for the Curiosity Challenge! Every month, I call up a listener and I put them to the test by asking them three questions about stories we ran on Curiosity Daily in the previous month. For this Curiosity Challenge, I talked to Danny in Chicago. Have a listen. I've been listening to you basically nonstop for like the past... I mean, I almost always listen to the podcast when it comes out in the morning, but like the past, you know, day and a half or whatever, I've just been cranking them out, just like (laughs) (laughs) trying to shovel as much in as I possibly can. You got to study. You're a good student. I, you know, I try. I'm really trying, you know. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm almost afraid to start trivia with you because it sounds like you have studied very hard, but. Well, see, that's, you know, that's going to be the question that it's really, it's really about my retention, isn't it? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Maybe you crammed and uh, didn't stick. (laughs) That's right. It's possible. (laughs) Well, cool. I will uh, get started if you're ready. Let's give it a shot. All right. So, number one. Recent guest Andrew Steele named one weird trick to slow the aging process. What was it? A, moisturizing your skin. B, brushing your teeth. Or C, trimming your nails. It is brushing your teeth. It is brushing your teeth. Yes, because (laughs) not taking care of your teeth 
promotes inflammation and full body inflammation is something that ages you faster. So yeah, brushing your teeth can help slow the aging process. No, it was very helpful. I, you know, I, I said something about that to my wife. I said, you know, we have to brush our teeth. We have to do it. This is, this is slowing the aging process. I literally said this right after I heard that episode. Nice. Uh-huh. Yep. It's a thing. Well, I'm glad it's stuck. Question number two. Experiencing strong emotions can have a hangover effect that helps you do what? A, improve your memory, B, improve your confidence, or C, improve your empathy. I know the answer here. It, it's probably a lot of those things, but A is the thing that you talked about here on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Because heightened emotions improve your memory then you'll just remember things that had nothing to do with that emotion because they happened like right after. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last one. Number three. Here we go. (laughs) Why should you keep painkillers in your pocket in case of radiation exposure? A, they can measure the dose of radiation. B, they can cure radiation sickness. Or C, (laughs) you can trade them for other goods after the apocalypse. (laughs) Also, another question where more answers are probably true, but the answer is A. The answer is A. You can measure the dosage of the radiation. Yes, that's right. Because actually, a lot of things can measure the dosage of radiation, but a lot of things are also expensive and you don't want to destroy them. And it requires destroying them to test that radiation dose. So painkillers are a good solution. And uh, it's important for medical personnel to know how much radiation you were exposed to so they can figure out how to how to treat you. Right. <laughs> well, great, Danny. You got 100% correct, as I expected. Thank you so much. He did his studying for sure. How did you do? If you'd like to play next month, or if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at curiosity at discovery.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. Before we recap what we learned today, it's time to give you a sneak peek at what you're going to learn about next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about why everything we assume about deep conversations with strangers is wrong, a planet we found that's orbiting three stars at once, what evidence actually supports when it comes to cleaning your teeth, why researchers caught thousands of birds with their bare hands, the best way to argue with your partner, according to research, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that according to author Lee McIntyre, you can change a person's mind about something by helping them change their identity. I mean, easier said than done, but it's a way. An American politician named Jim Bridenstine went from giving a speech denying human-made climate change to publicly acknowledging that humans are driving the current climate crisis. And that's because he'd been appointed to run NASA, which meant he'd become surrounded by allies of science. If you're also an ally of science and you want to help people understand it, then remember to respectfully engage with people who have different beliefs than you do. You could change the world. I think it's important to remember when we're talking about identity that people have many different overlapping identities. And sometimes your challenge is to find the identity that you have in common with them when you're having a conversation. So like if you both like the same TV show, I mean, that's a very minor identity, but you know what I mean? If you both grew up in the same church or if you both have kids, you know, we have a lot of different things in common with people that may seem like they're very different from us, but you can always find something. Yeah. And, you know, 
focus on that whole respectfully engaging thing. Talking down to people, not a good way to get them to see your way of thinking. Empathy is the name of the game. It is. And you want to get a high score. (laughs) We also learned that Uranus and Neptune don't seem to have any ammonia in their atmospheres, even though every other planet in our solar system does. Scientists think that mush balls may be to blame. These are slushy balls made of water and ammonia that may be taking ammonia from the upper atmosphere and bringing it down where our telescopes can't see it. Although the best way to know for sure is to take a closer look. So, you know, sign me up. Just kidding. That's really far away. I (laughs) don't want to go. But we have been there. Uh, The last time we visited Neptune was in 1989. I guess I was four years old. And the last time we swung by Uranus was 1986, which, you know, I was a baby, meaning that many of our observations could use an update. Unfortunately, it might be a while before we can do that because NASA's proposed Trident mission, which was set to go to the outer planets, was recently pushed aside in favor of two missions to Venus, which is also very exciting. There will be an alignment in the 2030s when it's easier to go to those outer planets, so there's still a chance we could meet that launch window. But the opportunity to visit our icy cousin planets is vanishing pretty fast. Wait, there's going to be an alignment? Yeah. Not like where the planets align? Is that what you mean? Not like where all of the planets align, just where <laughs> where the planets that we're interested in are aligned with our planet in such a way that the trip is shorter. Okay, good. Yeah. No, I was going to say the 2020s are already challenging enough. We're only two years in. Last thing I need is that many black magic rituals happening in the 2030s. <laughs> I've seen the movies. You've read the stories. You know what happens when planets align. There's always some group out there wearing robes, chanting, summoning some demon. No good. We don't want that. Hey, I mean, you can wear robes and chant anytime you want. You don't need to wait for the planets to align. You do you. That's true. <laughs> and we also refreshed our memory about what we learned in a fun trivia segment. I got to tell you, if you think that Ashley's only capable of writing easy questions, then you missed our 1,000th episode live stream. Because who, boy, you ask questions I didn't know the answers to. (laughs) We only got to a small handful of trivia questions, but I had a lot written. And it was great to have so much audience interaction. It was really fun to see everybody in the chat room. Yeah. If you missed our 1,000th episode live stream last week, you can actually find it. I'll post a link on curiositydaily.com, or you can go to the Curiosity Facebook page uh, where you can rewatch the entire live video. But we had a lot of fun. We spent about an hour just, you know, talking about the show and us. And it was a good time. Yeah, had a great time. The writer for today's Mushball story was Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer and audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Have a great weekend, and please feel free to continue to identify as a listener of the award-winning Curiosity Daily podcast. Then join us again Monday to prove it and learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.